0: Welcome to this podcast recorded live at the Junction church Aberdeen we pray this message inspires and encourages you for more information you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com we're in this series called artisans and and this is this is um, a really really important one for us in the life of the church and that we are called to be artisans and artisans are ones that they prepare things. They they um, they build things, and they create the space for for God to move. In the Old Testament, there's um these um these guys that they were empowered by God to to build this tabernacle, which is like a place where where the presence of God met with His people, and and um and the people gave, and they and they poured out their abundance, and and they had so much so much stuff that they had to be told to stop. To, to, because like the builders had enough, they had so much, they had so much they didn't know what to do with it anymore. So they, they told them to stop. But I want to encourage you, that an artisan. You know, this is um, these, this guy is stacking um, up logs. But you know, what exists in the artisan is seeing the raw ingredients of a log and seeing I can build a table, I can build furniture, I can build something where I can invite people into my home and they can enjoy what I build, what I create. And the heart of an artisan is that. But you don't have to be, I guess, um, gifted in in, in crafts or arts to be an artisan or be creative. Actually, what creativity is, it's the the art of making something happen. You know, when I I came to church this morning, I I witnessed creativity. And I witnessed it when I was on the door and my my wife was greeted with somebody with a blue t-shirt and an umbrella. Keeping her dry, not me. I I was still in the elements, but... But they had one umbrella, so obviously, Heidi. So, so that's creativity. That made something happen. That made Matt made my wife dry, and she made herself welcome into the building. And then, when I walk here, I see these chairs are stacked and um, aligned, as you see here, and that's creating an environment for all of us to come into. and And I want to tell you that it doesn't mean if you if you um, have to draw or play a musical instrument. It's it's if you're in the house, you are creative because you make things happen. All the time, and I just want to thank you know the guys at the back, the guys who have set up all these chairs, the band, you guys are all artisans because you 've prepared this place for God to move in. so I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, thank you for making something happen and we 're all artisans and um, and it 's my joy to continue the artisan series and i 'm going to be speaking from this um, section of scripture um, it 's um, in the book of Acts, one of my favorite verses i mean you know, favorite verses, but favorite books in the Bible because this is how the New Testament church made things happen. And that's 1 8, and it says this it says, But you shall receive power. Everyone say power. Power, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's pray, and then we'll get into this morning. Father God, I thank you for what you're doing already. This morning, Lord, that this is not just a moment in time. This is a moment where we gather. This is a moment where we are equipped, encouraged, and inspired to see your kingdom come in this world, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that you are using us as artisans to change and transform a generation, transform a culture, transform a city through us, people that you've chosen, equipped, and anointed by your special purposes. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, if this is your first time in church, um, I want to welcome you um, from, the, from the bottom of my heart. It's so good to see you all here today. My first time in church was almost this time, eight years ago, actually. In fact, twenty-first November two thousand and ten is the first time I set foot in this building. I came as a pretty much brand new Christian, and um, I met Jesus a couple of weeks earlier before that. And um, my brother, who he um, he was from Aberdeen, and we're all from Aberdeen, but he went to this church before, but I didn't know where he went. He went to London and. And I was there visiting him, I met Jesus, and on the way back, I just got a sense that I wanted what Jesus started to continue in me. I wanted what was happening in me to to be to come to fruition. I didn't want to just be a seed or a a moment. I wanted it to come to something. So I said to my brother, Where can I go? Where can I go to to continue what God is doing in my heart? And he said, Christian Outreach Center Aberdeen, which was the former name of this church. So on a Sunday evening I came in, I sat down and hadn't been anywhere ever since, and and I, and I managed to come to a place where I understood the presence of God, and I found that in context of the community of God, and then the following year, after experiencing the presence of God, there was moments where I remember, there's a few weeks after that, when I came in, and um, I was introduced to all the young adults, and um, we went away um, with all the young adults to this place um, outside in Aberdeenshire as a group, and um, it was a time when we were just doing Bible study there. And, you know, I had not read the Bible much because I never went to church when I was a teenager or anything. But, but then there was three guys. this when James and Laura were the pastors there. And, and um, we were just together in a, in a Bible study. And I remember when we, we started praying for each other. And then, and then they started praying for me. And they prayed things like, you know, man of structure, man of strength, leadership, wisdom. And, and, and I left there feeling like, I, I, it's just, I felt like empowered. I felt. Strong. I, I felt that it was like they didn't know me for th- weeks before that, but they spoke as people who had known me since, since I was before I was even born. And I came to realizing that God has always known me. God has always known me and what I've become. And he was using James Lee and his cousin Daniel to speak life into me, saying, this is the life I have for you. And I remember moments after that where I would just be, Reminded of where I'm going and who I am in God. In terms of, um, some of you may see me. I'm, I've been on the band for for quite some time now, and um, I never played bass before as a child, or even as a teenager, or even like very early um, young owl age. But I picked up a bass guitar and just felt the presence of God as I as I played the notes, as I played songs, and I just said, "This is this is God working through me." And all I wanted to do was come and buy a bass guitar and come and be on the stage. And from there, I found that God has been taking me from strength to strength and glory to glory. And I want to encourage you today that, well, there may be moments in your life where you don't feel that anything's happening, where you, you don't feel maybe something is is where God wants you to be. But can I tell you that every moment with God is not ordinary. Every moment with God is an opportunity for him to build you, him to show you who he really is and who he's called you to be. And the title of my message this morning is this: it is power to the people. And when I and when I read my Bible, when I when I witness what happened earlier today, God wants to bring power to his people. In every moment of life, whatever you think about God, whatever you think about Jesus, whatever your understanding of the Holy Spirit is he 's not so inferior, like outside that he that he doesn 't want to know you intimately no he he wants to know you intimately but not only to just know you he doesn 't want to just cleanse you of sin even though he does that he doesn 't want to just forgive you of, of all your iniquity, even though he does that. He wants you to fill you with a power, because there's a world out there that has no power. There's a world out there that does not know his power. And there's, and even as Christians, even as people, we still struggle with fear, struggle with anxiety, struggle with sickness and illnesses. I mean, even me, I was like practical, oh, should have been bedridden, but I had to get up for work and I couldn't, I couldn't talk on Thursday morning. That's how bad my cold was. And uh, here I am speaking for, 26 minutes and 9 seconds now. <laughs> but, but, I was, but, I, but the thing is, like, he doesn't want to just do things for us. He wants, to do, he wants to release his power in us. He wants to do so much more in our lives that we can ever see. He doesn't want to just give us power. He wants to give us power to elevate the realms of what we think is possible in our lives. He wants to give power to his people. And you have this in, account in Acts 1. And Jesus, he's um, he's promised. He's he's died at this point. He's resurrected, and he's about to ascend. And disciples say to him, "So is this is this the time now where you're going to restore the nation to Israel?" So. To give you a little bit of context, these guys were they're Jewish, right? They're good they're good church kids. They know their Old Testament and they know the Messianic promises. They knew what Hosanna meant, they knew these things, and they're saying, Okay, so literally, this is what's gonna happen when the Messiah comes, they're going to he's going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Because at the time they're under Roman oppression. But Jesus doesn't answer their question. I love when Jesus does that. He he lifts our eyes from our limited perspective and sees what he really wants to do in and through his people. And he says, it's not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father has set in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the purpose of Jesus going was to give us power. It says in the, in the Gospel of John, it's to your benefit that I go away, so that you shall receive. Power. Everyone say power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And here's the thing, right? Power always has purpose. Power is always directed towards purpose. You know, I'm, I drove in a car today which has an engine, which isn't very powerful, my ad, but it's, it still does something. But I was so glad that when the engine was on, it didn't spur oil and, en- and, and oil fluid and fuel everywhere in the street. And my car just stayed stationary. No, know the, the power was for a purpose. And the purpose was to drive the car to where I needed to go. So power always has purpose. And here's the purpose for our power. It says it in that verse there. That we shall be witnesses to meet in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So to give it back into contents of what the the, um, apostles were saying, they were saying, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus kind of said, well, yes, I am. But I'm not just going to restore the kingdom to Israel. I'm going to restore the kingdom of God to the surrounding areas, to the region, to Samaria, who were their cultural enemies. It's like if we would go and say, I want you to go and preach the gospel to a Glaswegian, a Rangers fan. And that's like, have you been to Glasgow? Have you been to Glasgow? Anyway, but that's kind of like, I'd like, have that and then times it by, sorry, Chloe, you're not from actually from Glasgow, I do know that. <laughs> My ignorance is not that much. <laughs> but it goes beyond cultural borders. It goes beyond what we think is, cult, is, is um, culturally appropriate. It goes beyond what we think we should do, and it goes beyond into those Places where we think oh, there are enemies, but actually, better than the, our enmity with them is the peace that God has given us to give them, and that will go to the end of the earth. In other words, there's so much more to. The life and the power of God that is on this church in our lives than just our immediate circumstances in our jobs, our families, our own physical ailments. There's so much more to that. There's, There's the ends of the earth, places I haven't been before, places you haven't been before, things we haven't seen, things we haven't done. This is where the power is taking us and God wants to give his people power. To see what we have not seen. To do things we have not done. To to reach people who have not been reached. to, To do feats that have not been done before. And they're all going to say, how is this possible? Well, I know the power of God. God wants to give power to his people. And I love the book of Acts because it's like, it's like Jesus left and you think when the Saviour leaves, you think the quality just drops, you think the work just stops, but that's not what happens. It picks up and it picks up a gear and it's like it's like you're reading an action story. And i was just thinking um, last night where the book of Acts is short for the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through his people, the church. To go to the ends of the earth, to go where we haven't gone before, to think of our lives as not just ordinary, not just predictable, not just same old, same old, but actually our lives are beacons for miracles. Our lives are beacons to bring people to into the realms of new possibilities. And I love the book of Acts because it. I think bring probably speak from it at least once a year, maybe twice, three times, because it's it's like what we should always come back to. Because as a church or as a Christian, it's like if, if that's how it started, often when we go off kilter, it's good to return to the start. If we lose our way or don't quite know where we're going next, let's see how it started and then we'll have a perspective and move forward. So the book of Acts, um, many things happen and I'm just going to pick up a few things and to talk about this power, to talk about this life that we're called to. And, and I look at the Bible and I look at life and I see how the people of God are really people of excellence. The power of God in us to exceed the things that we were previously limited by, to exceed the things that we previously struggled with. The power of God to elevate us from that, to liberate us from that. We are actually being people of excellence where we're raising the personal best because before I wasn't a musician, then I encountered God and I was a musician or before I wasn't a communicator, a speaker, a leader. Now I encountered God, now I am a communicator, speaker, a leader. There's constant excellence going forward, going back. There's no there's no backwards in God. There's no there's no back, you know, like I say backsliding, but I'm talking about there's no no, um, demotion in God is what I'm trying to say. There's no no ways where God is going to say, now that you've done that, I'm going to do this to you. No, no, God is always promoting, always empowering, always loving, always forgiving his people. And as people of God, we extend that. We diffuse that into the areas that we are called to. And as a church, as a people of God, we extend that to the ends of the earth. Now, there's a few things about this power that I'd love to, us to explore. And um, there's a story in Acts chapter 3 where um, Peter and John, they've, they're, going to this, they're going to church. They're going to the temple. And you see this guy that's been lame there from birth. And I'm going to read a few verses and I'm going to um, talk about it a little bit as well. So in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, In the ninth hour, which is like 3 p.m., a certain lame man from from his mother's womb, so from birth, was carried, whom they laid daily. Everyone say daily. Daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who, who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting To receive something from them. The first thing about power is this. That power exists where you are. Power exists where you are. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I discount things. I discount days. I mean, if I'm going to go to work, you know, say 52 weeks a year. and I would, I'd be tempted to think that every Tuesday is just going to be the same as every Tuesday. I think this week, in the in the mass of so many weeks I'm doing the exact same thing or going to the exact same place, it, it can't be any different. Or or, or, I, or I think I've, done, I've played this game or I've, I've read this passage or I've done something time and time again. Surely it can't be any different. I've, I've been in this condition so long that surely I'm going to be here for a long time. I, I've come to the city for for years now, maybe even decades, and surely I've seen all I'm going to see. I've I've been places. I've been in all the places and explored all the things I can possibly see in this place. I've I've done all there is to do. Surely that's the case. And this man, he's been blamed from birth. So. So from before he even remembered, and as long as he's remembered, you know, a team of people, maybe even the same people, or maybe he's organized like us, maybe he had a, they had a service rota, and so people just carried him, like, like, and took turns and carrying him. But daily he was laid at the temple. Daily he went and did the same things. Daily he asked for alms. Daily he was asking for somebody to, to help him in his condition. So you think if he's laid there daily, surely that's going to be the story of his life. But can I tell you, power exists where you are. Power exists where you are, where you think there's, there's nothing happening. Power exists in the places you think aren't going to change. Power exists in those relationships you think are on the one-way street that's just veering off an edge. No, no. Power exists in those places. And I love a church who can get together and, and encourage and inspire and say to me like, well, maybe you've gone through this, but I know that's not your—that's not the end of your story. I know that's not the end of your tale. I know that God's going to break through because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that saved you, that raised you up, will take you through. And I'm glad that I'm in a church that does that, encourages one another, and sees a different outcome than sometimes I see. And I've come to discover this, that there's no such thing as mundane, no such thing as ordinary, no such thing as as passive, as inactive, but only the inability to see the power of God at work. Only the inability to see the power of God at work in your circumstances, in your finances, in your relationships, in your church, in your giftings, in, in your emotions, in your anxieties, in your pains. Only the inability to see it. But Peter and John saw a different reality because they knew this. They knew that as long as they're with God, power exists where they are. Power exists right there where they are. Power is given through grace and truth. Now watch this. It's not easy to see to start, but we'll read it together and talk about grace and truth. In verse 6. So they expected, he expected to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Power is transported through grace and truth. Now I'm going to ask for a volunteer, um, preferably a male, Anyone? anyone wants to volunteer. Alex, come on, give him a hand. Awesome. So what happens here, right, is that Peter asks, if you want to come to this side, there's a little bit more room. So Peter asks, say, silver and gold I do not have. And I don't know about you, Alex, but if somebody offered me, if I'm asking for like, you know, like a five pounds or a ten pounds, and somebody offered and said, have silver and gold, I mean, am I going to be asking for money for a while, you know, like, Silver and gold—that would mean that this guy, in, in that we're talking about, wouldn't have to beg for probably years, maybe even a decade. Silver and gold in those days very, very valuable, and could, you know, it exceeds any normal tither offering. Right? This is this is this is serious stuff. But but what he was what he was demonstrating is that the that the um, that the maximum offering that could be available to some a street beggar or somebody who's lame from birth doesn't even pale in comparison what God can do in that circumstance. Silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give. Now, my um, kind assistant, Alex, will um, take a seat on the ground. Alex is the lame man. <sighs> so what he was, so in, he's in this position and he's been here daily, right? So every day he's come to church, he's been, let, he's been you know, set at the door at the gate which is important, he's at the gate, he's at the entrance, so he's in the prime position to receive what he wants. But what he wants isn't what God wants to give. God wants to give him grace and truth. God wants to not just, you know, not just to give him a life, but he wants to give him the means to be able to live a life that's outside of sickness, that's outside of pain, that's outside of an ailment from birth, which he did nothing to get, it's just from birth. It's just, just an ailment from birth. It's not about sin or anything like that. It's just It just happens. It's a human condition. So God wants to reveal himself through this condition. And Peter and John see this man. And, and then so Peter says to him, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. Verse 7, he takes him by the right hand. This is a hand of authority. and Helps him up to his feet. And immediately... His feet and ankle bones received strength. (laughs) And he was leaping and dancing and praising God. There he goes. (laughs) Jumping jacks. Awesome. Now take a seat again. No, no, no. Down here. Sit down here. So what you just saw was grace and truth. See, what we sometimes do, and what I can can easily say I'm guilty of, and and if I'm guilty, a lot of us can relate to this somehow, Where we could just say to this man, oh, you should have more faith. Oh, you should know better. No, if you're just begging here for alms, don't you know that you have a God who can provide for you? (laughs) I mean, you better get off your butt, get on your knees and figure yourself out. (laughs) See, what I said, in a sense, could be true, but how can he access that? If I give him the truth without any access ramps into that truth, then he's just going to be there wondering, pondering, oh, is the God? Is the word of God true? Is it, is it real? Is it, is it attainable for me? Can I have it as well? He has a revelation, or, or rather he's been presented with the truth, but not presented with grace. So what Peter demonstrates is he says, what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise and walk. And what he's doing is he's transferring an authority that Jesus has over sickness and death. He's transferring an authority, saying, "I can now give you this authority. Now you have it too. Stand and walk." The company of grace and truth. Now we can't separate the two because if I speak to him truth while well, he's got the um, while well, he's got his ailment, you know, he's he's not going to be able to stand. But if I give him grace without a truth to stand on, he's going to fall down again in whatever ailment or whatever addiction or whatever. But he needs grace and truth saying, hey, this is the truth of God. Hey, this is the the person that God has called you. Now stand and walk with me. I transfer authority to you. Now you have the power to live in what you thought was never possible. Right, you can take a seat. So it's the power of grace and truth. And as the church, we are the people who transport this grace and truth to an entire world. Entire sphere of influence that I don't know truth and kind of don't understand what grace is. We have that, we have that, that amazing privilege to be vice regents, co-heirs with Christ. That when we have God, we have the authority that he has the name of Jesus which is his power and his authority silver and gold i don't have i mean I, I i don't have all the pills i don't have all the the programs to maybe help you coach yourself out of something but i can give you something even better i can give you the truth of god and the grace to live it out saying hey i'm going to partner with you hey i'm going to i'm going to encourage you i'm not going to judge you but i'm here to walk this out with you and then together we can both glorify God. That is what the church does. Power flows through grace and truth. I love this because power also speaks for itself. You know, I've been struggling with the cold, so um, this is where my mouth is getting unusually dry, so I'm glad that power can speak for itself. I don't have to speak for it. I thought it was water. It's gin. No, (laughs) So we read on. It says in verse 8, so he, this is Alex now. I've given you a name. (laughs) He's not named here, so it's your name. So Alex, he leaps up, stood, and walked and entered into the temple with them. Walking, leaping, praising God. So the power speaks for itself. Peter and John didn't go into the temple and said, this is what we did in the name of Jesus, or this is what, The power of God is accomplished. They didn't need to. Remember, this guy was at the temple daily at the gates in the same condition. But one day, one day, he encounters the power of God, transforms him, and he now walks. And in the same day, he learns to walk because he couldn't as a toddler. He learns to leap. He learns to jump. And he has a song, a new song like Pastor Cheryl was talking about, a song Because of the power of God in his life. And that's what spoke to the church. That's what spoke. Peter and John didn't say this is, you know, you should all, like, even they talked later on, but not about this event. This event was just saying, this is just the release of joy through the power of God working through somebody who is willing to stop. Use the power of God, the name of Jesus, the authority and power, and lift me up. Until a life I never thought possible. Daily in the same condition. But I encountered people of God. I encountered people of love. I encountered people that were filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the very person and power of God. And they lifted me up. Now I can praise. Now I can walk. Now I can jump. Now I can live a life I never thought possible. Why? Because people of excellence. The excellent nature of God. Excelled outside their own personal comfort boundaries. And helped me up. In that culture, you wouldn't touch a person like this. You'd just walk past them, throw money at them or whatever. But they took the time to take his hand, lift him up. Now he's living a life of new possibilities. This power speaks for itself. And I love testimonies. I love hearing the good things that God does because we serve a good God. In, the, in a world where we don't sometimes see that clearly, we serve a good God. and We hear the testimonies, and testimonies encourage us. And here's the thing, the power also speaks for itself in the face of opposition as well. The power that you possess in God will speak towards people that prefer if you didn't use it or open your mouth. In Acts 4, we see this, where this act got them in trouble with the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders. And what happened was they were, they were taken before this council. And this council basically said to them, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing this. In what name or what power do you do this? And they said to them, it's the name of Jesus and it's the only name from whom salvation is possible. And pick up in verse 13. This is, this is, this is astounding. It says here, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Now, the Bible's being a little bit politically correct there. That word that says uneducated is the word agramatos, which means illiterate. These were illiterate men. The word there, and um, untrained, is the word idiotes, which means you get, you get the idea. So these untrained or these illiterate idiots... It's just like, would you call that something? Like that's that's pretty brutal, right? Like, well, you illiterate idiot. I mean, I don't think I've ever used that in conversation. But but it's like, you illiterate idiot. And these guys are in front of the Sanhedrin. These very experienced, very you know to do about people, very literate people. They know the law from Genesis to Revelation, no, actually not Revelation, Genesis, all the way through to Malachi. They know that, and especially the Torah, which is Genesis to Deuteronomy. They know that verbatim because that's their culture at the time. And then they're looking at these men, these two illiterate idiots, and they're astounded. Why? How? How is that possible? These these very learned, experienced men are in front of these illiterate idiots and they're astounded. Why? For a few things, they were with Jesus. And verse 15, if you read it with me, that the, <coughs> sorry, but when they had gone to, oh, wait, where am I? Uh, sorry, 14. Um, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. You can say nothing against it. And this reminds of the Apostle Paul when he's been through similar training. And he, and he just said this in Philippians. He said, I count it all as rubbish. Once again, the Bible being very politically correct in that translation. But he said, I count it as rubbish everything i've learned compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing jesus christ my savior so it's only in his name that i can raise somebody who could not walk before into a place of walking it's only by his name where i can see the dead raised to life only by his name i can see blind eyes opened only by his name so Everything else, while it may be helpful, it does not pale in comparison to the power of the name of Jesus. That when you operate in that power and that authority, you will see yourself living a life of excellence, power, love, and an amazing opportunity after opportunity of seeing those daily situations turn to something miraculously powerful. The power of God exists where you are. When you live by grace and truth, you exude power. And this power speaks for itself, you know. And I've said this quite a few times and, and it's never, it ceases to baffle me, but I've never, most of my friends are non-Christian, but I've never ever had to debate or, or defend my faith to them. Because they see even if it's just through Instagram, even if it's just through Facebook, but they see the power of God in my life and through my life and the things that I do now I could never have done when in my school age because I didn't have the relationship with God. But but now they see God working in my life and doing different things. It's like they see the power, they see it and while they could you know debate their you know the shortcomings of what they see and their understanding, they can't doubt the power of God in my life and through my life because the power speaks for itself. Power speaks for itself. And as I come to a close and the keys join me. I was a little bit naughty, I have to admit. Um, Talked about Acts 1, Acts 3, and Acts 4, but I missed out Acts 2, which is where it all happened. Day of Pentecost where Jesus promised that you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This promise then came in the day of Pentecost, where you know there was a room quite similar to this. I can imagine where people were just hungry and waiting for the power of God. The power of God fell, tongues of fire. Are what it looked like, and they started speaking in tongues in, in unknown tongues they, that they hadn't learned before. This was a miraculous phenomenon during a time where people were coming into the city for this festival and they're from surrounding areas and what they heard was, it was almost like ludicrous because they were hearing the praises of God in their languages. So it's like, how is this possible? Are these guys drunk? What is going on? And they're hearing God being praised. It's like if us, if we're to go to, say, Nepal or we're going to go to um, Guam or somewhere like that and hear somebody speaking in this way about, in the very rural areas, speaking this beautiful English about God. That's exactly what it would be like. We go to an area where they shouldn't, they have no reason knowing our language, but somehow they're hearing the praises of God in their own, in their own tongue, in their own language. They're like, how is this? This is, this is weird. They're like, are you guys drunk? Then Peter stands up, dresses about 3,000 people under the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, guys, we aren't drunk because it's only nine in the morning. You know, he opened up with a joke like a lot of preachers do. (laughs) It's only nine in the morning, but this is what the prophet Joel says. Joel says, and he says, in these days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and all people, and all humankind. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will see, will um, dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And then he says that whoever calls on the Lord will be saved. And he goes on, and he's and he's talking to them without, which astounds me. Without amplification, he is reaching three thousand people with this message of truth. And the Bible says they were they were cut to the heart. They were like, "Oh man, I I want that." What can we do to receive this? It's, and it's my heart to see. To live my life in a way to have a church that's so so enamored with God and so 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 reflecting him in a way that encourages so many people that have everyone has eternity written in their heart, you understand? And they they try to un, try to answer this in their own ways, but when we need to lead people to the point where they can say, To us, cut to the heart, how, what can we do? I see, what you, I see what's on your life. I see the miracles. I see the peace. I see the relationships. I see the love. How can I have that? How can I be like you are? And it says in verse 38, it says, all of you, and Peter is talking and he says, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. For the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. The power comes. We receive this power through our repentance. This is where we change our minds. This is where we change our focus. This is where we turn from our powerless ways. and We turn to a God who's all-powerful, all-knowing, all places, and receive the free gift of life that's in his name. This is where we turn into not just people, but powerful people. The armies of God. When we receive God, we become mighty in his name but it starts from being powerless in our own ways. Many times I've found that where I'm not hearing the voice of God or breakthrough or, or I'm just not hearing clarity and, and I'm in a life, in a, in, a, in a pathway or pattern of thinking that's, that's powerless and it's beating me up and it's, it's hurting me. God's just saying, hey, power exists where you are. I can meet you where you are. doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. What's important is that I'm there with you. Power comes through grace and truth. Hey, I offer free forgiveness, free favor, free to access the truth. Because I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can accept to the Father, come to the Father except through me. I can offer this to you for free. Grace and truth. And in that truth you stand and you won't have to defend yourself for I will give you words. I will produce something through you that will stand to be fruit for eternity. It won't wither. It won't die. It won't pass away because what God does stands forever. I give you this freely. But come to me. Just, just come to me. The power of God begins when our self-reliance ends. The power of God begins when we don't, can't outthink something or we actually turn into illiterate, uneducated because we don't rest in our own morals, don't rest on our own laurels, but we rest in the power of God. And in that humility, in that turning, then we are then elevated like Alex was pulled up to live a life of impossibility. To live a life of excellence. To live a life where we can do things that we wouldn't even have dreamed of doing. Why? Because when we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. Power. Love. All the goodness that he offers through his word. Every word is true. But we access it by turning to Him. Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times, and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com